Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Informed Catholic Podcast. My name is Ned Jabbar, so let's begin with a prayer. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who by the power of the Holy Ghost was conceived, born of the Virgin Mary, raised, suffered unto Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended unto heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Guardian of the Church, pray for us. Saint Michael, Archangel, defend us from all evil. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. So I'd like to read from the first letter of Saint Paul to the Corinthians. It's from chapter 1, starting from verse 18. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will thwart. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through folly what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, I like to read or review an article with you from Church Militant about Pope Francis. I'm actually, be honest with you, I'm getting very weary with Pope Francis articles. It's by Jules Gomes, Church Militant, November 21st, 2019. Pope Francis, it is the communists who think like Christians. This involves uh, Eugenio Scafari. It's an article that involves him. We did uh, something about Eugenio Scafari uh, about a month back. Well, he's a old socialist. He's in 95 and uh, he's a journalist. He runs a newspaper called La Repubblica and he's had numerous access with Pope Francis. Pope Francis and him are old friends and there was several things. Pope Francis said he didn't believe in hell. This is conversations he's had with Scafari, and Scafari doesn't write anything. He doesn't take notes. He doesn't record the conversations. He tries to 
remember the conversations by memory. Um, and then he, he basically says he feels his way through the conversation and he writes it in his own way as he remembers it, which is not exactly, I, I, I would guess, I mean, for myself, I'm not a journalist, but I would think that's not exactly a very professional way of writing an article or an interview of someone. But <clears throat> I digress. But anyway, the main thing here is is that we see a constant track record. And I, I'm this is my own personal view. I think Pope Francis is telling us who he is through Scafari. I think he's confessing to who he really is. And he wants us to know who he is. He won't he will not come out and say it because this would put him in a very um unusual predicament with the rest of the bishops. But he's sort of like there's a desperation that he wants the world to know who he is. He wants to tell the world that this is how I think and how I believe. And I do not follow or adhere completely to the teachings of the church. This is my own personal view. Because it's strange that he gives him an interview, doesn't believe in hell, he believes the souls just disintegrate, disappear. Which is sort of a comforting thing when you think about it to all of us who may not have a chance of salvation or may think we are in salvation, but we're not in salvation because then there's no eternal damnation in hell. And that's that's not what the church teaches, but this is what he believes. And then there's the other uh, uh, article that Scafari put out by Pope Francis that... Um, he doesn't believe that Jesus Christ was God on earth. I did a, you know, I did a, a, a podcast on that. You could look it up. It's very easy. I think it's what, did, what did the Pope say? I, uh, I believe it says. And that when Jesus, through the incarnation, emptied himself of his divinity, which the church does not teach. And when he was on earth, he was fully, completely human and was subject to human, um, to human uh, limitations until his death on the cross and then his divinity was poured back into him. Uh, sounds like a comic book, but that's technically what he says. That's what's called Arianism. It has an, uh, a late neo-Arianistic uh, view. In a sense, it influenced Islam. I'm telling you, this is my own personal view because I've done a number of uh, of, of readings by archaeologists who discovered a lot of interesting things about what possibly could have gave birth to Islam. And technically, Gnosticism and Arianism gave birth to it. But going back to the article. So now, he also gave another article a couple of weeks ago. And I don't know, I don't think I did it, where the possibility that he didn't believe in the resurrection. I mean, not a literal physical resurrection, but he believes it was a physical, a spiritual resurrection. Again, this is very popular with modernists, with the historical Jesus seminar and other people that it works well with the Gnostics. It's a neo-Gnostic, neo-modernist uh, belief that the body of Jesus disintegrated and only the spiritual Jesus came out. Again, 
not a Catholic Orthodox teaching. It was a physical resurrection. It was a literal resurrection, but not a resurrection to this life. In other words, let me explain. Lazarus was resurrected by Christ, but it was not a resurrection to eternal life. It was sort of, it was a resurrection of resuscitation of his physical body. The little girl, Jeth, uh, Jethro's or one of the synagogue elders' daughter, she died and she was brought back to life. A resurrection, but not a resurrection to eternal life. You're resurrected to this life and you're subject to the pains and slings of arrows, natural causes, or either disease or violence or murder. You die again. Again, the widow Naim's, uh, the Naim widow's son, during the funeral, he stops the funeral procession, touches the young man, commands him to get up. He gets up. Again, he was brought back to this life, not an eternal life resurrection. When we talk about Christ, we talk about his body, soul. He had a human soul and he was, he had a human body, but he was also divine, absolute human and absolute God, 100 God, 100% human. It, it, we'll use the limitations of our human language. But the resurrection was absolute because remember in the gospels, he presented himself. He showed his hands, his feet, his side. It is physically Jesus Christ. Okay. And then he presented, he showed evidence of it. For whatever reason, the wounds are there. But he is absolutely resurrected. But it's not a human earthly body anymore. It's a glorified body. Remember on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognize him. He only revealed himself to them, not even by showing him his hands and feet, but by the way he broke, he said the blessing and broke the bread. Then they fully recognized him. He revealed himself in the breaking of the bread, the Eucharist. I'm bringing all this up because this is Catholic teaching. This is the, this is the teachings of the church fathers, the teachings of the apostles. This is the teachings of all the Christians, what we all believe for 2,000 years. What Pope Francis now is saying here, uh, is saying here uh, about his so-called belief of Marxism, kind of, in a sense, cements everything else. He Recently, there was an article where he accused conservatives of being Nazis. There was an interview with John Henry Weston of a, um, I believe he was an English priest, um, a scholar on John Henry Newman, now St. John Henry Newman, an important saint to me because I read many of his writings in my early days of the conversion. He helped me. John Henry Newman is a great convert, came from the Church of England and helped out a lot. And he also predicted much of the mess from the 19th century. He predicted that there would be a council that will seriously, seriously bring a lot of confusion and a lot of 
pain and sorrow to Catholics. There were many people who predicted this. I'm telling you all this stuff before I start reading the article because I think it's a great help. Vatican II has a lot of beautiful stuff to it. A lot of beautiful things came out, but some of the articles of Vatican II were written by revolutionists like Jorge Bergoglio, who is now Pope Francis. These men are looking to form a one-world government. This is not a conspiracy theory. Let's be honest, we see it coming. The European Union and much of the people within our Democratic Party want to get rid of nationalism. They want to get rid of nationalism. I'm sure some of you have heard of the infamous Saul Alinsky. Michael Voris just did another um, a church militant video on him. There's even a big um, investigation video going back, I believe, 2007 or something. You can go on their website. I think you can go on YouTube. Saul Alinsky uh, documentaries. The man had a very close relationship. He was a communist. He was also a student of the uh, the Frankfurt School. We all know about the Frankfurt School. They were German communists. Most of them were Jews. They came to America because they had to escape Adolf Hitler. And they found their way, long story short, into American colleges, community colleges and other universities. And they found, you know, that one of their biggest lamentations was that communism was not going to make its way into the West because democracy and capitalism had a very, um, let's just say, agreeable relationship. Not perfect, but agreeable relationship. Capitalism helps. And they saw that a lot of people prefer it. Even the most poorest person rather prefers capitalism because at least they, they, they can have control of their own lives. But they came to America and they started using cultural uh, things, uh, such as what you call cultural Marxism, sexual revolution, take everything that's normal in the, uh, the family life and call it abnormal, take heterosexuality, spin it around, say it's, it's um, oppressive, it's oppressive to homosexuals, uh, say, a lot of, say a lot of people uh, take African-American studies, they call them cultural studies, or you know we call them now identity politics, and exploit them, exploit the, uh, the minority, use them as a platform, to gain political power, to climb up the ladder. They did that. Feminism is another thing they took, they grabbed hold of. Women's rights, even though women's rights were long before all this, but they took hold of that. And they do everything they can to change the culture, to change the culture, to make the culture what they want it to be. And they did that. We see this here now. This article is going to show us that Pope Francis is a branch of that. Now, remember, this is Scafari, and unfortunately, Scafari does not take audio uh, recordings. He doesn't write notes. But I'm going to say that there is truth here. 
because Pope Francis never came out and corrected all the other stuff the Scafari has said. His silence only says that there's truth. All right? He hasn't called out Scafari a liar. He hasn't called out Scafari um, that his memory is bad. He hasn't corrected anything. He hasn't corrected a single thing of what Scafari has printed. Now Scafari is coming out with a book. And I'm going to have to say now that I think that there's some level of truth to this man. What he's saying. November 21st, 2019. Jules Gomes, church militant. Vatican. Pope Francis has confessed to being profoundly influenced by communism when discerning his vocation and says that while he rejected its materialism, he found its other elements in harmony with social doctrine of the Catholic Church. The frank admission of Pope Francis' Marxist leanings has ignited fresh controversy in the Italian media following the publication of the Pontiff's interviews with Italian journalist Eugenio Scafari. His book paints the Holy Father as a modernist revolutionary determined to change the church, fight inequality, abolish sin, and dismiss evangelism as a solemn nonsense of proselytism. Abolish sin. How's he going to abolish sin? Without Jesus Christ? Without the blood of Christ? Without the teachings of Christ? I'm going to take a guess that Scafari probably added that in himself. I'm going to give, uh, give him the benefit of the doubt. The one God and modern society meetings with Pope Francis and Cardinal Carlo Maria Martini. Martini has been known, uh, I think he was a Jesuit, and I believe, I believe what people say he was also a Freemason secretly. Released earlier in November is a collection of Scafari's interviews with Pope Francis from July 2013 to March 2018. Communist influence. In one of the most controversial interviews on September 24th at Casa San Marta, the atheist Scafari asked Francis how he discerned his vocation in his younger days. The Pope says he was at university and had a teacher he respected and befriended who was a fervent communist. She often read, read to me and gave me to read texts from the Communist Party, the pontiff explained. The woman I'm talking about was later arrested, tortured, and killed by the dictatorial regime, then ruling in Argentina. The woman, who remains unnamed in Scafari's book, has been identified as Esther Bellastrino, Da de, de Kerga, a Parogian, a Parogian Marxist terrorist, I'm sorry if I messed that up, who also founded Paraguay's, I'm sorry, Paraguay's first feminist movement. Okay. A Catholic establishment interview confirms the person who introduced him to political thought was Esther Palestrino de Carga, a, Par a Paraguayan activist who identified with communist founder of the mother of the Plaza de Mayo, who was finally killed by the dictatorship of General Verdela. I'm not familiar with South American communists, so I apologize. It's the communists who think like Christians, 
Pope Francis says. According to left-wing guardian, Gregorio and Caraga met around 1953 or 1954 in a laboratory where she worked as a pharmaceutical biochemist and he as an apprentice chemical technician. Caraga's parents had a large library of books on Marxism, and she asked Father Gregorio to hold them in safekeeping. Gregorio hid the Marxist library in in a in a Maximo uh, Jesuit school, university in San Miguel, Argentina, and returned them to her daughter some four decades later. In Scafari's interview, Francis denies being seduced by her communism, insisting her materialism had no hold on me. <laughs> I find that very funny. But in 2015, he told Caraga's daughter at the Vatican, she taught me to think and introduced me to social concerns, Pope Francis said. Caraga's daughter, Anna Maria, reaffirmed the influence of her mother's communist ideas on Bogorio. My mother left a fluid of influence on the young adolescent. We understand that there, that these waves are present in the ideas he spreads during his visit to Latin America in 2015. We see them in the in denunciations he made of the exhaustions of capitalist systems, the danger, the monopolistic media, and the need to transfer it to the hands of the poor. A continuation of the ideas of my mother and the militants of the of the seventies. Hmm, very interesting. One priest has said that um, Pope Francis definitely is a man is a Jesuit of the seventies, the sixties and the seventies. He's definitely uh, a revolutionary uh, Jesuit. Unfortunately, so I've noticed. Nothing, nothing of the timeless teachings of the Catholic Church. Here's a man who is in the church, and I've noticed nothing of the teachings of the church fathers, the teachings of the saints. It's, um, it's very disturbing. All right. Um, while I was doing a little editing of the segments uh, a few minutes ago, I was reading the article a little bit more and I came across something that actually made me laugh. So I'm glad I I read it because um, I probably would have had to do a little bit more editing. Uh, the theme of the communist surfaces in later interviews when Pope Francis told Scafari that Jesus' commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, had to change to become love your neighbor more than yourself. All right, I'm going to control myself. That's very funny. I, I really, this is really funny. I find that extremely funny. Love your neighbor more than yourself. So he's going to, if this is true, I'm, I'm going to take a guess that this could be Scafari's own words. I'm, I have to think clearly here. Um, because remember, the man doesn't take notes. He doesn't record his interviews. He remember, he writes everything from his memory. I think it's probably maybe as a form of exercise for the old man because of the fact of his age that he wants to sort of like in a sense to fight 
memory loss and everything. I mean, I'm 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 trying to be kind here. So uh, I have to hand it to him. I actually admire the old guy for doing this. He's quite a you know. I mean, it's it's quite gusto for his old age to actually try to try to write these articles and these interviews from by memory. I have to admire him for this one. You therefore dream of a society dominated by equality. This, as you know, is the program of Marxism, socialism, and then of communism. So do you think of a Marxist, Marxist society, Scafari acts, and this, I guess this is Pope Francis' response. It has been said several times, and my answer has always been that, if anything, it is the communists who think like Christians, Francis replies. All right, let's stop here for a minute. I, I said it before in another podcast. Uh, I believe it was on the platform when I was uh, with Spreaker. Uh, I couldn't transfer those podcasts over. In my view, this is the Tower of Babel. He's going to fail. Pope Francis and many of these men have all failed. This is just empire. Okay, you cannot, you will never bring utopia into this world. There will never be utopia. Technically, that's what Thomas More said. That's why he wrote his book, Utopia, because it is absolute garbage. You will never come up with a perfect society. And if you think about it, if you read his Utopia... That's exactly, it means no such place. It's a coined term that Thomas More came up with because these men were very, were very pragmatic. That's what basically the, the, the uh, Protestant Revolution was all about. That's what all the empires that came before was all about. This idea that you can create a world that you think is better, that there's justice, that there's equality. Jesus himself gave us the answer. You will always have the poor with you. You will not always have me. And I think what he means by is that when we come up with this idea of utopia, it is paganism. Just as sexual paganism, social paganism, economic paganism, all these particular government paganism, worshiping the government, it is paganism. And I'm sorry to say this, but if this is what he really said, then he, his papacy is doomed. It's going to be a humiliation. He's starting to look a lot like the priests I bumped into, the the books I read. I read a lot of bad Catholic books by a lot of bad priests who came up with all kinds of ideas, who were obsessed with socialism. Because maybe because they can't see God. I think a lot of these priests who go into this garbage have lost the faith. They have a difficulty seeing Jesus Christ, seeing God. You know, it's like some people get angry and say, why can't God make himself clear? Why can't God just, just fix the problem, fix the injustice in the world? You know, suddenly now you're God's judge. Well, I'm sorry, you're wrong. There will always be injustice. There will always be evil. I mean, look at the words Jesus warned his apostles. There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be political unrest. 
And he said, don't be afraid. These things have to happen. And then he mentions plagues and famines. And he mentioned persecution that the church will have to go through. He wasn't, he wasn't giving us utopia. He was telling the early Christian church, guess what? Because you're my followers, you're going to be persecuted. And some will think that they're doing God's work by putting you to death. He even said that. That doesn't sound like a utopia. And it doesn't sound like delusional or grandeur. He's telling his followers that this is what's going to happen to you. Now, here's a follower of Christ, a man like Jorge Bagorio, who has been elected to the highest office within the church, to the seat of Peter. And look at the philosophy he's embraced. Unfortunately, I find it very tragic and very sad. Proselytism is solemn nonsense. This is something he also said, and he never corrected. In the same interview, Scafari jokingly asked the Pope if the Holy Father will attempt to convert him to Christianity. Francis smiles and answers, Proselytism is solemn nonsense. It doesn't make sense. Rather, the pontiff, the pontiff advocates listening to each other because the world is crossed by roads that lead to, that lead to good. Huh. Well, what about what Christ said? Go out to all nations and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What about the great commission that Christ gave his apostles? That that's our duty. That, we, that our duty is to bring people to Christ and bring Christ to them. To bring them the, the, the gospel. So is he greater than our Lord Jesus Christ? Is that what he's saying? Is he saying that Christ was wrong? When Scafari asks if there's a vision of the unique good and who, and who establishes such a vision, Francis says, each of us has a vision of good and, and even evil. We must encourage him to proceed towards what he thinks is the good. What he thinks is the good. That is very ambiguous. I mean, I could go on what Christ said. But I think I'm going to leave it alone here. I, I want to go through this article. I think this is one of the boldest statements made by a pope, replies Scafari. Francis repeats his assertion, adding, this would be enough to improve the world. Wow. Francis supports his claim with a highly reductionist view of the incarnation. The Son of God became, became incarnate to infuse the soul of men with the feeling of brotherhood. That's a very different gospel. In theological response, UK deacon Nick Donnelly told Church Militant that the Pope's interview offered a very improvished—I'm sorry—impoverished presentation of the faith, as believing in Jesus Christ and in the One who sent Him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation, as set forth in the section of 161 of the Catechism. 161 of the Catechism. So here it is. The Necessity of Faith. Article 161. Believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. 
since without faith it is impossible to please God and to attain the fellowship of his sons. Therefore, without faith, no one has ever attained justification, nor will anyone obtain eternal life, but he who endures to the end. There you go. Bergoglio presents a very humanistic interpretation of the Incarnation, reducing it to the affirmation of humanity. The authentic Catholic understanding of the Incarnation is that it accomplishes man's salvation from sin, Donnelly insists. Towards the end of the interview, Scafari again asks the Holy Father if he has any intention of converting him. I still have no intention, Francis replies. Donnelly observes, Scafari is a notorious atheist. The Christian can never accept a dialogue with an atheist free of preconception as if atheism is equal to Christianity as a form of knowledge. Vatican II's Gaudium et Spies didn't accept this dialogue with atheism without preconceptions. Okay, holds, it holds the atheism is against reason. The church must always start from the preconception of God's revelation and denial of that revelation is profoundly erroneous and irrational. In his reading of Francis' encyclical, Evangelii Gaudium, Scafari says the abolition of sin is the most shocking part of that document. Francis abolishes sin by using two instruments, Christ's love, mercy, and forgiveness, and attributing full freedom of conscience to the human person. A God who does not judge. Scafari commands commends Francis' papacy for proclaiming a God who does not judge but forgives. He commends, there is no damnation, in, no hell, perhaps purgatory, definitely, repentance as a condition for forgiveness. When Scafari asks what happens to those who reject the Christian God, Francis proposes obeying one's conscience as a valid alternative. The Pope then rejects the propositional conception of absolute truth. He Wow, the Pope rejects the propositional con conception of absolute truth, even for Christians, and links truth for Christians to love of God for us in Jesus Christ. <sighs> wow, That's, that goes against everything I have been told before my conversion, after my conversion, when I was received in the Catholic Church. This goes against everything. I mean, it really, that there is no abs there is no truth, there's no absolute truth, that Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I mean, that's what Jesus Christ said. This is, this, if this is true, this is going to change everything. This is going to change everything about, uh, uh, <laughs> towards Francis. Paul himself said when he had an argument with Peter, I think in, in Syria, I don't know if it was Damascus, but he said that because Peter got up quickly from the table with Gentiles because a, a few Christian brothers who were of the Jewish side came and Peter didn't want to be seen sitting at table eating with them, Paul caught it and, said, and, and rebuked Peter to his face, rebuked him to his face, resisted Peter's, uh, what Peter did. 
So we can resist the Pope as, as conservative Catholics without leaving the church. We can resist Pope Francis because we have to follow legitimate authority. And what the Pope is saying here, all this is, is his own personal opinion. Remember, none of this is at all um, fallible. No, no, in other words, he's not, he's not imposing it. He can't impose it. This is one thing he knows he can't do. He cannot impose this. He's absolutely a secular humanist. And he's absolutely trying to, to bring his ideas. I believe this is, this, is, this is a confession. This is Pope Francis desperately wanting to let the world know, this is what I believe, this is what I think, this is what I hold that's true. And sadly, it's coming out. All right, I'm sorry if I didn't pronounce certain words correctly, but this is really interesting. Bergoglio reveals why he doesn't like absolute truth, because he prefers subjectivism. Oh my goodness, I always knew this. I always knew this to be true. This the worst form of, 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 of this, this philosophy, this practice. All right, this has been going around for several years now. No one believing in absolute truth. Everyone, my truth, like Oprah, your truth, what's true to me. There is no such thing. All right, this is the new age. This is the new thinking of the of of the uh, the millennials or the uh, whatever you call it, Generation Z, whatever it is that they believe in a personal truth. There is no personal truth. You can have your own personal opinion, but there is no personal truth. We both agree that rape is wrong. That's not a personal truth. It's an absolute truth. It's a moral absolute truth. Rape is wrong. We all agree that uh, stealing is wrong. We all agree, uh, you know, everybody talks about fascism. Injustice of some kind, human trafficking is wrong. That's not a personal truth. It's a truth that we both have to agree with. Truth that expresses itself from within. Dalini notes, metaphysics and morality derive from subject, uh, objective truth, from God's natural law and from God's revelation. Bergoglio's subjectivist approach was condemned by Pope John Paul II in Veritas Splendor. Scafari also praises Francis for seeking dialogue and brotherhood with other faiths. Scafari also praises Francis for seeking dialogue and brotherhood with other faiths in the name of unique of a unique God because he thinks all religions must be inspired. Donnelly challenges this indifferentism. Here we see a precursor of Bergoglio's Abu Dhabi declaration and the heresy that God wills the polarity of, of, of religions. He tells Scafari that the unique identity of Christianity centers on the incarnation, which, which is true, but then goes on, on to, to write that other faiths have their origin in God's transcendence, as if the same God is the source of other faiths. Throughout his book, Scafari interweaves his own commentary with his papal interview, but, uh, but 
sporadically reports the Pope's words as if they were verbatim. The, Va the Vatican has repeatedly asserted that the words of Dr. Eugenio Scafari attribute to quotation marks to the Holy Father during the interviews cannot be considered as faithful account of what was actually said, but rather represent a personal and free interpretation of those who listened. Pope Francis has never directly addressed the accuracy of Scafari's writings. Well, so, the question we have to ask now, is the Pope right? There's a lot of things the Pope is going to say here that attracts a lot of modernists. There's a lot of people that like this idea that all religions lead to God. Sorry, folks. It's not, that's not true. I don't believe that. Uh, we have to understand that the reason why is, is because, well, number one, everybody believes in what you call cultural identity. You make a big difference about people's uh, culture, their identity, their beliefs, their traditions, their customs. Well, religion has a lot to say. Religion says a lot. Okay, Buddhism does not believe that Buddha is God. There's some things that Buddhism has that you can say is morally good, that Christianity can agree with, but, it does, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You can't say that. Hinduism has also other things that are different about it. Okay, and yet there's other things about Hinduism that many things that Christianity doesn't agree with. Islam, people like to say, well, it's the same like Judaism and Christianity. No, Muslims don't believe Jesus is God. Muslims do not believe that you can call God a father. Muslims do not believe in a savior. Muslims do not believe do not uh, receive the words of Jesus from the from the Bible, the the New Testament, even though they claim they believe in the gospel, they believe in the law, the Ten Commandments, and they they accept the the Psalms of David. But there there's no Psalms of David. There's no Ten Commandments. All right, uh, Islam holds certain things that are uh, wrong. They believe. Uh, there are certain things about war. They call Christians and Jews liars in the Quran. The Jews are called, uh, Jew, especially anti-Semitism, read the Quran. All right? Read the Quran, what it says about anti-Semitism. I mean, you know, about hating Jews. In some traditions of Islam, hating Jews is almost something like sacred. All right? And it, and, and, and talks about punishing Christians those who go against the, the teachings of the prophet. There's, there's a lot of things in the Quran that nobody wants to talk about because our political correctness doesn't want to marginalize anybody, but we do, it, we, we do this for the sake of, of killing the truth. You know, it's, it, universalism is not true. I'm sorry. You know, you gotta you gotta examine everything. Examine it. I know a lot of people say, well, religions have caused war. No, actuality, there's in history, if you examine it, there's less about religion. All right. There's less wars about religion. There's more wars about territory, about controlling trade, 
of empire, okay? There's more that, all right? Hitler was not a religious fanatic, and he killed millions of people. Stalin was not a religious fanatic, and he killed millions more people than Adolf Hitler, and nobody talks about it, all right? The Civil War was not about religion. The Revolutionary War was not about religion. World War I was not, was not about religion, all right? Much of the wars, Napoleon was not about religion. And yet Napoleon used religion to his advantage. He would call himself a Muslim one day in front of Muslims. And the next day he would say he was a devout Catholic. Okay? The war between, that formed the Italian Republic was not about a religion. And millions of Italians killed each other and raped each other for, uh, you know, for, for the sake of, of forming an Italy. Or others wanted to keep their independent states. Okay? The War of 1812 was not about religion. All right? It was, you know, we can go on. We can go on in different wars. We can say, we, we can bring up race, we can bring up anything else, but it's not going to be about religion, all right? It's not been about religion. Yes, everybody loves to bring the Crusades, but the Crusades was a different subject matter. It was about Christians answering the call to help of other Christians. It was about liberating Christian territory. It was about those territories once were all Christian at one time. All of North Africa, from North Africa, was once Christian territory. Was once a, a vast Christian culture. You go all the way down into Egypt, down to Ethiopia. Ethiopian Christians, Orthodox Christians, they still exist. You go through all of Palestine, into Syria, parts of uh, Syria, Iraq, all of Mesopotamia, going up into what, what is now Turkey, all those territories were all one time Christian. And then Islam came, and Islam took most of that territory away. Now, one of the interesting things I love when people bring up about the Crusades, but they know nothing about the Christian culture that once existed there. I'm not justifying that the wars of the Crusades were correct. The Crusades started off with good intention, but it wound up disastrous. And when you read the writings of the Crusades, you found out that there were a lot of uh, renegades and hoodlums who joined along just for the fun. They had no intention or any Christian virtues or any Christian faith. And there was a lot of unfortunate events. A lot of unfortunate things happened. But one of the interesting things about, even though there were Jews that were hurt, molested and, and killed, there were also good bishops that helped save the life of Jews from these hoodlums that joined the crusade. Granted, a lot of these men were not saints. They were far from it. A lot of the um, these men, unfortunately, had their own ambitions, and it was sad. It was a failure. The Crusades was a failure, unfortunately. A 
a tragic failure, at least from my perspective. But there were good intentions. And unfortunately, we have to go back and say it's a failure. Um, Pope Francis, I'm afraid, his papacy is only going to reveal um, the rot that's in the priesthood. That's my own personal view about him, is that the rot of the priesthood, that it's been infiltrated by Marxists, by a lot of socialists, and unfortunately, a lot of men who, let's, let's unfortunately say it, um, with unhealthy sexual appetites that should not be in the, the priesthood. So I'm going to end it here, and hopefully I'll get back with another article. I really want to do more something more on the faith, on the rosary. Um, and you know, there's been so many things coming out that sometimes it's hard to choose which one to go with. But this was important to me because I really am saddened by uh, Pope Francis. I know that Bogorio probably exaggerated a few things, but it's difficult to say because one of the problem is he won't come out. The Pope, the Holy Father, will not will not come out and correct this himself. It's quite sad. So I'm going to end it. Uh, we'll just um, end it with a prayer to Christ the King. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. O Christ Jesus, I acknowledge thee, King of the universe. All that has been created has been made for thee. Exercise over me all thy sovereign rights. I renew the, the promises of my baptism. I renounce Satan and all his works and all his palms, and I promise to live a good Christian life and to do, all my, to do in all my power to procure the triumph of the rights of God and thy church. Divine heart of Jesus, I offer thee my poor efforts in order to obtain that all hearts may acknowledge thy sacred royalty and that thus the kingdom of thy peace may be established throughout the universe amen so we'll we'll meet again soon god bless